Brace yourself for Steve Fisher and Byron Tidwell, Old Guys Bitching. I'm Steve. And I'm Byron. And we are Old Guys Bitching. Almost got harmony there. Yeah, well, who knows? We almost got got <laughs> harmony. Um, so uh, it, should, we, should we get the political crap out of the way? So we can talk yeah, about okay. good stuff. Have, have you have you seen uh, today's Randy Rainbow? I did not. Oh, it's great. WTF? It, it's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm gonna have to check that out. It's uh, but was it? I mean, did you see Trump today? I saw one headline that said that Trump is threatening to punish Americans who buy electric cars. Uh, yes, I saw that. Uh, you know, and I also saw a wonderful political cartoon of of uh, people at the uh, the southern border, at the Mexican border, saying we want to uh, come in for asylum to escape the horrible uh, stuff that's going on in our country. And then it showed a couple of white couples standing at the Canadian border saying we want to come in for asylum because the horrible things that are happening in our country. I, I like that. I like that. <laughs> it's true. I had somebody ask me on Facebook saying uh, because it, it made – he had posted something about, isn't it great to wake up in a country every day thinking this is a great country? And I, I made some comment about, well, I wake up thinking this used to be a great country and, and going on about all the, the uh, horrible things that's happening under Trump. And he said, well, then why don't you move elsewhere? Well, why doesn't Trump move elsewhere? Yeah. And I said, because it's, it's my country and I'd rather... Uh, I, I keep hoping that maybe things will turn around and we can get rid of the clown. But I think, you know, in, in light of him saying he wants to punish Americans who buy electric cars, I think we should punish Americans who voted for Trump and continue to support him. <laughs> Sounds like a good thing. But, you know, also, and I, I could be completely wrong about this because – uh, I, I will say that, uh, you know, my primary news sources are Washington Post and New York Times and L.A. Times. I uh, oh, All those liberal fake papers. Yeah, I, I sometimes venture over to Wall Street Journal, not often, but it looks like the poo is about to strike the ventilation device. I think you might be right. And I was quickly able to uh, interpret that to what it usually means is that the <laughs> shit's going to hit the fan. For those of you out there who are, are lingually challenged. <laughs> it, uh, it just seems that uh, with the uh, issue that happened with Paul Manafort, where they ended the plea agreement right. with him. And now Trump is saying he's considering pardoning him. Uh, yeah. yeah, of course. But he legally can't if it obstructs uh Justice, if it obstructs right. the uh, the uh, prosecuting which, of a crime, which just by saying yeah, that, yeah. there's a question of whether he has obstructed justice. Because now that he's held that exactly. out to Manafort, Manafort can clam up and say, "Well, then I don't have to say anything." And they, it looks like uh, uh, Bob Mueller may have uh, planned for that. What? What did he do? Uh, oh, with uh, with Manafort, he ended the plea yeah. agreement. Oh no, no, I know, but I mean, you said he planned for. The Trump's pardon or or tr planning for 
uh, Manafort ending the plea agreement. Well, I think he's just been piling up the poo and waiting to switch on the ventilation device. Well, I wish he would do it already because I'm getting tired of waiting and hoping. And there have been plenty of commentators on TV, uh, the the 24-hour news shows, um, which aren't news shows anymore. They're just opinion shows anyway, no matter which channel you put on. It's either opinion for the president or opinion against the, the president and no real news facts. That, and I'm, I'm just echoing Bob Woodward, one of my, one of my heroes. Well, yeah. Well, I, I guess the thing that I'm looking for is the filing of this um, sentencing yes. uh, recommendation because— Allegedly, and this is allegedly according to the Post and the Times. I hate that word. I hate that. Yeah. Word. Okay. Well. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, it, it's going to contain some details about this, and about the uh, the ongoing case. And if it does, then that will give us uh, a you know thin beam of light to see what may be going on. Well, inside. we can only hope. But I mean, there have been plenty of people who have said we should not expect too much. That. Uh, First of all, Mueller is just going to issue a report, and then Congress is going to have to act on it. And we know that the Senate will not. Right. Uh, but we also know that the House will because the House has been riled. And so once the, the House says, okay, well, you know, we think uh, we're just going to release everything because we can do that— and then the next thing you know, you know, the entire Trump family is on an Aeroflot to uh, St. Petersburg. Uh, I don't think that's, uh, you know, I, I don't think they will run to St. Petersburg. I think they will go to Mar-a-Lago and Florida will secede from the Union <laughs> and become the state of Trump. Or, or given the fact that in this past election, the state of Florida voted overwhelmingly to restore voting rights to uh, uh, felons who have uh, completed every aspect of their sentence, and that is, that was what, like 170,000? Yeah. yeah. I don't think those guys can be voting for the, the uh, Trumpsters. So what they can do is they can build a wall around Mar-a-Lago. Yeah, but you know what? I'm wondering, you know, Trump is really pushing for Congress to push this prison reform bill. Um, and I'm not totally sure of what's in it, but he's trying to push for it. And maybe that's in his mind, that if I push for this prison reform bill and all these prisoners now have voting rights, they'll vote for me. Possibly. But you know what I think the, the prison reform is, uh, is de uh, allowing private prisons, f private for-profit prisons. And uh, then that way... Uh, the uh, the people who will be voting for him are the stockholders of the uh, of the prisons. Oh. oh, really? Is that true? Uh, yeah, I I, I believe well, it all, is. Oh. They, I mean, they're not they're not trying to make it easy on the prisoners. No, no, they're trying to figure out how to make these prisons a profit center. And you know, they have been existing as profit centers right. for a while, and that's why we have such high rates of incarceration. Right. Because if you got empty prisons, you right. got no money, and you got an empty building that's just taking up space. So it's just another way. To do so it. Uh, yeah. the Obama administration, uh, Department of Justice, was working on closing out these private prisons, and when that started happening, that's when all of the uh, uh, Republican representatives and senators 
you know, just in unison said, hey, we got to protect our phony baloney jobs, gentlemen. Uh, let's get a prison reform so we can have private prisons again. And I think that's what it is. It could very well be. But I want to go back to a word you used. Uh-oh. You used the word allegedly. Allegedly I did, yeah. Which I think is one of the most misused words in the English language. I hate Well, I, I, I hate the fact that everything is allegedly. Someone could be caught blowing up a, a whole school building and they go the alleged bomber. No, it's beyond allegedly now. He was caught red-handed, right? So so why is that that's not alleged anymore? And you're right about that. Uh no, the re- no, it's not. And I uh I I do try. See, I I came from the world of broadcasting, both uh, commercial and public radio broadcasting. And I hit right at the moment when the fairness doctrine was um, uh, recalled by the Reagan administration. And so we were all just grilled and trained by attorneys that uh, we didn't want to make the stations liable for any sort of uh, judgments. And therefore, when we were discussing any sort of uh, crime or miscreant or whatever, to be sure to use the word allegedly, you know, it's a weasel word. It's a weasel word. Uh, but that if the, the guy is bl- caught in the act, blowing up whatever, then right. he no longer is alleged. He is the person who witnesses have seen uh, commit the crime. But the new, but they still call it. They still use allegedly on all the, the news shows, and that's it's the attorneys. It's the attorneys. Well, they should be allegedly shot. Um, Just like back when I used to do my radio show, and we got called in for whatever we said on the air. Then uh, and then the attorneys would start explaining to us something. We'd go, okay, fine. We could probably do your job. So uh, you guys are here tomorrow morning at five thirty doing the show. We'll see ya. Okay. And that that stopped a lot of that, uh, that crap. <laughs> well, now I I got a I got a legitimate beef here. Oh, which beef? And and this is this is just really. I mean, I don't even. I, I I'm not angry because I really don't know what to do about it. But two weeks ago, as you know, I got rid of my Samsung Galaxy S shithole and got a Google Pixel X, uh, uh, Google Pixel 3 XL. And that was the phone I got the day that Sammy tried to kill me. And the, uh, uh, this past week, we just passed... So I, I got this wonderful Google Pixel 3, which I love, by the way. It's a great phone. Last Friday, as we record this, and this past Monday, were Black Friday and Cyber Monday, respectively. Now, on Black Friday, Verizon was offering the Pixel, both versions, the 3 and the 3XL, for $400 off. My son called me over the weekend and said, Dad, guess what? I got a Pixel. I got $400 off. So I called and I said, or I contacted them and I I said, okay, here's the story. I just got this a week ago and now it's $400 off. Can I get a credit on my bill? So first, 
they made me go to their Twitter or this thing or I had to sign in or something, and I did. And then they come back going, sorry, there's nothing we can do. Why didn't you just tell me that when I called? But why can't you at least give me a partial credit, even if you can't give me the whole 400 That's a lot. 10 20 bucks. I'm not going to complain. But 400 Yeah, and it, it obviously it uh, it is really irritating Sammy as well. Sammy, get down. It's okay. We will eat the missionaries later. So, so anyway, so back to the, the Mueller thing that you were alluding to is we may actually have an ending to this mess soon in some way, shape, or form. Well, we need to, just for the sake of the country. The reality show, the yeah. the desperate yeah. need to have constant attention is wearing the country out. Well, but it, I think it behooves the media to stop covering everything he does. Every time he goes to a rally, every time he gives a speech at some partisan event, they should not cover that. Ignore the guy. Well, it's starting to happen, you know. Uh, uh, when was it? Monday, uh, MSNBC chose not to attend the White House briefing. Right. If so. If so. Right. And that's yeah. exactly what I'm saying. I, I'd like to see all of the media turn and walk out on that. That just it, it's a dog and pony show. It's nothing else. Um, you, you know, Sarah Sanders is, is going to get up there and lie, or if Trump does it himself, he's going to lie. Why bother to cover? And wasn't there a CBS reporter who uh, uh, asked the president a question on one of his? Yes, uh, and and he and he lied, and she called right, him out. Right, I forget her name now, but um, I I shouldn't forget it because I think I love her. Uh, the uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm probably old enough to be her father, but uh, I was very impressed that out of all the reporters we have, these long-term reporters, this young woman had the guts to call out the president. And he needs to be called out regularly. Right. And uh, maybe that fake tan will fade. But, no, I don't think that'll ever happen because I think it's spray painted on. The, uh, but, you know, now I, I haven't heard anything of the aftermath of this woman's question. Uh, did she need to get uh, armed guards to protect her? Because that's Trump supporters have a tendency to just threaten to kill anybody who goes against them. Yeah, I don't know. You know, at this point, the, uh, the Trump supporters, I, I just don't know what to say because of all the things they apparently approve of. They, they approve of tear gassing children. Yes. They approve of separating families. Mm -hmm. They approve of, uh, no matter what their financial situation is, they, they approve of giving rich people more money. They approve of not taking people seeking asylum into this country, even though it has been a tradition. And, um, you know, if I, I, I saw this the other day, someone said, you know, if you are against bringing people into this country seeking asylum, you cannot put up a crash this year. Yeah, I, I, I have seen that. If you take out uh, all the different um, ethnic groups from the nativity scene, you're left with nothing. Uh, what they say, a jackass and a... Yeah, sheep and a jackass. <laughs> that's, that's about what we've got. That And it's terrible. I mean, I did hear a guy, uh, I, can't, I wish I remembered his position, it was on NPR, um, 
it, and I'll I'll tell you about my NPR gripe in a minute. But that's that's something else. But the, he was basically explaining the whole thing at the border, and he said, you know, he was talking to. Uh, guys down there, I think it might have been the NPR reporter who was covering it, and saying that the border guards felt terrible about the gassing incident. You know, nobody wanted to gas women and children, that, but that there, there, I guess, are some bad people mixed in with the bunch of legitimately desperate people they're supposedly forcing this kind of action. Well, you know... Because they were throwing rocks and other projectiles at the border guards, so the border guards were getting hurt. And all I have to say about that is... <laughs> but, okay, we knew this group was coming. We knew that most of them legitimately are seeking asylum. They're not uh, Islamic terrorists... They're not MS-13 gang members. They're legitimately seeking asylum. So instead of sending the, the U.S. troops, which, by the way, can't do anything legally, right. they, if, 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 they, if they shoot, it's an act of war. Right. So, uh, you know, why did we not uh, send busloads of immigration court judges yes. and social workers yes. And people who could actually deal with this thing, which is not a crisis. It's only a crisis in the minds of Donald Trump and his uh, ever-dwindling group of supporters. Yeah. Who, who was it? Somebody actually uh, said that. It was a, tr a former Trump supporter or somebody in the Trump administration uh, or something who, who finally acknowledged that there was no crisis here. Well, good. So they need to acknowledge that. There was no crisis. It was a total scare tactic. And, uh, you know, it's not even needed as much now that the uh, election's over. Last week before Thanksgiving, when uh, a reporter asked Donald Trump about the, uh, the troops having to spend their Thanksgiving down there away from their families, he said, oh, no, they don't care. They, they signed up for it. They knew what they were getting. That's uh, from Cadet Bone Spurs. <laughs> Cadet Bone Spurs. I love it. So, uh, so yes, uh, he's not even, he doesn't care about the troops. He doesn't visit them in war zones. He does not go to uh, uh, memorial services for them. He doesn't go to the Arlington Cemetery, six minutes away from the White House, on Armistice Day, Veterans Day, uh, to, you know, honor the troops that have given their lives. He doesn't care about them. Folks, pay attention. He doesn't care about anything but himself. He doesn't even care about his kids. He cares about himself and nothing else. And the country will be a lot better off when he is gone. Yeah. So, I mean, I'll, I'll take my chances with Mike Pence. You know, because I, 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 I'm not, I'm not thrilled with Pence, uh, the thought of Pence as president. But I think Congress would step stand up to him, even the Republicans, a little more than they do for Trump. I think they're afraid of Trump. And why? Because he what, says what? anything that comes into his mind, and they're afraid he might spill some uh, skeletons. Uh, what skeletons does he know about? I think he might know about a bunch. Who knows? Oh, man. You know, well, I, I don't know. Let it, Mitch McConnell's been filling them in on them. Oh, just let let him spill. 
let him spill. Just go for it, dude. Uh, you know, and, the thought of Donald Trump spilling is just frightening. <laughs> you get ever more desperate, ever more desperate. And then finally, uh, you know, he somebody will throw a bucket of water on him and he'll dissolve. <laughs> oh, great. We can only hope. And as long as he doesn't try to sing a song from Wicked. <laughs> I'm sure you've seen the picture of uh, Kellyanne Conway and Sarah Sanders and the caption, worst production of Wicked I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I did you ever watch that show, um, uh, Grimm? No, it was too grim for me. It was, uh, but there was a character in that, I forget the name of what the beast was. It was a blonde actress who turned into this horrible witch zombie-like creature and uh, I always thought that that was really Kellyanne Conway. It probably was, yeah. based on, you yeah. know, inspired inspired by. Now, I want to talk about something. I'm, I'm going to forget about NPR for now. We will talk about The thing that drives me crazy about NPR is that all of their hosts feel the need to subcaption everything their interviewees say and, and, of course, they can't do it because it's not TV. It's radio, so they have to say it. So everything is explaining everything that someone is talking about. Like, their audience is just a bunch of total idiots. And we know that more intelligent people listen to NPR. It's not idiots. because They're too busy watching The Price is Right or something. You know, the intelligent people are listening to NPR. And so they don't have to explain every little thing. We know it. Thank you very much for interpreting, but we don't need it. Now, it's probably some uh, attorney, uh, you know, who's writing little addendums to the NPR style book. Back to the attorneys. It's, it's like, it, you know, if, if it were just the uh, the hosts and the interviewers, they wouldn't be doing that. Uh, it, you know, it, again, weasels. Yeah. Dealing with weasels. Yeah. we got to get rid of the weasels. Um, so, you are, you, are you going to what, you know talk about... I, I do want to say yeah, something yeah. about okay, go ahead. endings. Mm-hmm. Why do all these TV shows not know how to end? I don't know, because, you know, the thing that happened, and it happened in the 90s, was that uh, Bob Newhart took the best ending ever. Right. And nobody can ever compare. Right. So. But, I mean, I I, I just watched, finished watching Homecoming. Did you watch mm-hmm. Homecoming on uh, Amazon Prime? It's a Julia Roberts show, and Sam Esmail, who uh, was created Mr. Robot and is the executive producer and director of this. And there are these little half hour or less episodes. And uh, it it tells a story. I don't want to go into it because I don't want to ruin it for anyone who watches. But the ending, I was talking with uh, with another friend about it. And we we both felt that there was no payoff in the ending. And we felt that, you know, they created this great tense story. And then you get to the end and, okay, that's it. It's over. It's like, what? Well, do you think that the powers that be are saying, well, don't really end it because we want to do another uh, series? I think that's very possible. And in looking it up on my favorite resource, IMDb, I it does list a second season. So I guess there is, it doesn't tell what any of it is, um, but it does show that there will be a second season. 
So I'm guessing that, okay, this story is going to continue. But you would think they'd leave it on a cliffhanger, not just drop everything. And the story just kind of dies out. Well, maybe uh, they they got depressed and just said, oh, screw it. It could be. <laughs> it could be. I mean, I also, I at the same time, I finished reading a book that did the same thing, where it got to the end and it was like, okay, it's over. That's it. It's done. And, and I said, well, come on, there's got to be something more to it than that. That That's really, and it's from a, uh, an author that I, I, whose work I really like. I've read every single one of his books and, and this one just kind of left me cold. But I, I just, you know, what is going on? I mean, it, it started, Saturday Night Live's been doing it for 40 years. How long have they been on the air? 50, 40, because they started... When I was uh, working on a show called Saturday Night Live with Howard Cosell, and they premiered a few weeks after us, uh, it, it they just because they don't know how how to end sketches, their sketches go on and on and then just stop. Well, you know that's the uh, the Monty Python uh, technique. Monty Python didn't know how to end sketches either, so they just thought they'd make it part of the show. Well, they did. You know, at least they played with it, and then they would just kind of meld it into the next sketch. Which at least, okay, you know, it had sort of an ending, but there was a a logical way, you know. Saturday Night Live just cuts out of a sketch and goes to a commercial, or and and these books and movies just kind of end. There was a famous old story. There was a show on Broadway years a very long, long time ago, and not a famous show called I Had a Ball, and about the best thing it was known for is that it starred Buddy Hackett. And Richard Kiley, too. And I saw Richard Kiley on a talk show once, and he, he told a story where Hackett would never stick to the script. He would basically ad-lib the whole show, and the rest of the cast would have to follow him and just kind of you know, go try to set their song cues. But beyond that, they had no idea where they were going. You know, they would get to a point every night where Hackett would look at his watch and see it was 11 o'clock. He'd go, that's it, curtain. And just the end of the show. Because, okay, we gave him enough entertainment, so go home. Well, when you were mentioning the book and, and how I just sort of fizzled there, I just envisioned the publisher saying, well, you know, we're we're destroying forests here with all the trees, so uh, uh, that's as many pages as you get. I would not doubt that for a second. I think that's very, very possible. And with just a minute and a half to go, I think we're going to talk about an ending here. A death, yes, death, absolutely. Uh, you uh, sent me an article yes. about natural ways to uh, uh, to go uh, gently into that good night. And uh, it reminded me, there was a, a TV show. It's out of Britain. It was produced by uh, Jennifer Saunders and Don French. When it ran in England, it was called Jam in Jerusalem, and then it was released uh, internationally as Clatterford. And in the first episode, uh, one of the people who you think is going to be a principal character dies, and so they have a, uh, a memorial service for him, and his daughter is a back-to-nature uh, freakazoid. Uh, not only is she doing pagan dances and uh, accidentally sets the church on fire with her fire dance, uh, but she has her father in this biodegradable coffin. 
which is biodegrading as they speak and falling apart. And so it's, you know, that's that's how he is interned into the earth. Yeah. Well, now I think we have to backtrack a little bit and explain that the story I sent to you was about this uh, program, this research program at Washington State University, go Cougs, uh, that is actually working on recycling humans, turning exactly. human bodies into a high, highly nutrient soil that things can be planted in. And it's the story that was in the Seattle Times was talking about this 84-year-old woman um, and interviewing her, and she's all for it. And I, I don't know if, I don't remember if she signed up as a test subject or just likes the idea. I forget why they were talking to her. But she's already picked out what kind of tree she wants to be, and it's a, some kind of apple tree that she thinks makes the best apple pies, and she wants to be planted in her daughter's backyard with this tree planted in her, and, and that's how to spend eternity. Well, you know, it has been kind of traditional throughout the ages uh, to plant a tree uh, on a grave. And in the 1930s, there was even a, a popular song about it. Uh, you know, it was made all the uh, the broadcast radio stations. Uh, it was probably a pretty big hit. Was the, wasn't uh, you, there a 50s or 60s B-movie where they, they somebody came back to life as a tree? Were they Soylent Green? I don't know. No, it wasn't but, <laughs> but but you know the song was uh, "Don't sit under the apple tree with anyone else but me." <laughs> no, it wasn't. That had nothing to do with death. That was... Well, she, well, if if the woman, the eighty-four-year-old woman, wants to come back as an apple tree, you know, but I just figured the, it all fit together. You're the nutrient. You're the basis for it. So if you were to be be planted. And have a tree planted. In, what tree would you want to come back as? That sounds like a Barbara Walters question. <laughs> well, but actually, Barbara's right here and didn't ask me <laughs> that very thing. No, she's not okay. here. Okay. Well, Steve, we should say that uh, for uh, 2018, uh, this is going to be our last podcast for 2018. Yes, it is. So we want to have a really fizzled out week ending for it. <laughs> <laughs> then we will we'll be coming back much uh, bigger and more spectacular in 2019. Right. Because we plan to eat a lot over the holidays. And come back as trees. Okay. Yes. So for and now. If, if, you were a, if you were a tree, what would you be? I would. I think I'd want to come back as a marijuana plant. Ooh, smoky. And it's party time. Just nonstop partying. People can come take a leaf <laughs> off me and smoke and... Token and play. Ah, well, one toke over the line, sweet fisher. Sweet fisher. I like it. Okay. So for now, until everybody have a great holiday and a happy new year, and we will see you in 2019. But for now, I'm Steve. And I'm Byron. And we are Old Guys Bitching. Old Guys Bitching is a production of Old Guys Bitching, written by Steve Fisher and Byron Tidwell, and recorded in Seattle and Las Vegas. Hear us on iTunes Podcasts, Google Drive, Spotify, and many other platforms. Copyright 2018, Old Guys Bitching, all rights reserved.